0: 2 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Jason finished out Ancestry.God, our Christmas series. Can I tell you what a great message that was, Jason? <laughs> so we're doing a couple standalone messages to prepare us, uh, hopefully, for the new year. But I also want to mention this is that. Getting ready to share some things with you that I hope will be very foundational for us as a church. I hope that what I'm about to share in a few weeks, obviously I hope every message is foundational, but I hope that this short series that I'm going to be preaching in a few weeks called The Core, I hope it is something that we will be able to go back to and refer to as a church to where God did something different, where God did something awesome, in our church, where He's taken us and moved us in a, in, in a direction for His glory. So this series coming up is called The Core, and I hope that you will be here for that. I hope that you'll listen to that, because I do believe God is going to use His Word through that series in a very special way in our lives individually. I believe He's going to change us from the inside out. I believe He's going to change families, and I also believe He's going to change our church for the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ. So I'm really excited about that. But until that moment, I want us to focus our attention this morning on the regions beyond. Um, the regions beyond, it's the title, but it's also a short little phrase that we find the apostle in his second letter to the Corinthians. He references the regions beyond. And I want us to think about that this morning. The regions beyond. And I want us to consider what the regions beyond look like to us as a church, what they look to us like to us as a family, what they look like to us as individuals, so that we might be able to look at this phrase that he's saying and be able to grab a hold of that, or better yet, have that truth grab a hold of us and be able to walk out of here changed and embrace this new year with a new vision, a new perspective. In his second letter, uh, for those of you that don't know, the Corinthian church was... Not the uh, benchmark church of Paul's work. Let's say they struggled. I mean, First Baptist Corinth was uh, a bit immature, a bit carnalistic. I mean, they were they were kind of rough, rough around the edges. They they uh, really struggled with uh, sexual immorality. There were divisions in the church. They had child they had uh, childish faith in the sense that they were immature in their faith. There were so many issues that were going on in the church that Paul addresses in his first letter to them. But it needed another lesson. So he writes to them the second letter. And in the second letter, he addresses some of the issues that are going on that were going on before. But even now, what has happened is after Paul had established the church and left, some Judaizers had come in and attempted to try to draw those Corinthian believers back into obedience to the law. Um, trying to get them to form an allegiance to the law, oh, oh, not a salvation by grace, but a salvation by work. So Paul is not just addressing the immorality and the spiritual immaturity of the church, but he's also addressing his own authority in how he has started the church, how he established the church on Jesus Christ, and tried to counteract some of the false teaching that the Judaizers were bringing them. But he says something in verse 12 of chapter 10. In speaking about his authority, he says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, among themselves, are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. A sphere which especially includes you. This sphere that he is speaking of is this area of influence. If you think of it as a circle, he's saying that God has appointed us to a particular circle, Corinthian believers, a focus, if you will, and in that sphere, in that focus, in that target is you. He says, we were called to you. Verse 14, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord, for he who commends himself is approved but whom the Lord commends. Let me stop. He tells them, we were called to you. You are within our sphere of ministry. But then he introduces this other sphere of ministry. He's saying to them that we were not just called to you, but we were called to you to go beyond you. And I want you to think about this for a moment this morning. When we're talking about the regions beyond, I want you to see first was that Paul had a far-reaching vision. Now, think about this for a moment oftentimes we we don't really see much spiritually past the end of our nose, or at least for me speaking It's hard to be really uh look a great distance off It's hard to have the 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 telescope of faith to understand that what God is doing in me is something he wants to affect generations. What God is doing here and now is not just to affect me here and now. It's to affect others later as well. In fact, I'm, I'm reminded of this oftentimes when I'm putting Harlow down for, to sleep. Because yes, as, as many parents do when, they're, when you're rocking your baby or putting her to sleep, uh, you often pray for them to have a safe night. You pray for them to be healthy. And, and God has just really impressed on my heart the last several nights that I've been able to put her down to sleep to not just pray for her to make it through the night to lift up my eyes a little bit and see the big picture. And and God has really been impressing on my heart to pray for her future husband if she gets one, to pray for her friends that she's going to have in school, to pray for for safety when she's driving. I mean, that is crazy because I'm praying about it, but I'm also freaked out because I'm praying for my baby that she'll be safe when she's driving. But God is, you may agree with that or disagree with that, but that's not the point. God has impressed on my heart the importance of not just praying for the here and now, but praying long-term, looking with the eyes of faith down the corridors of time to what is possibly going to be and praying for that as well. You know, if you think about it, we often talk in in, in the church culture about the importance, the necessity of missionaries. When we talk about the importance of mission involvement, and rightly so, we should talk about the importance of being on mission with Christ. But if you think about it, the kingdom of God is not just advanced through the work of missionaries, it has been for centuries advanced through the work of visionaries. Men and women who were able to see not just what was, but what could be. Not even just to see what was and what could be, but what should be out there. You know, if you think about it, we're always called to lift our eyes. We're always called in our lives of faith to try to reach beyond our grasp with the assistance and the aid of the power of God. Oftentimes I think that in in, in my life I have to be really careful and and New Year's is a great time for us to, to consider it and to discuss it. But I heard of a pastor one time, he was talking about a man who had been at a church for 15 years. And they were like, wow, 15 years, that's quite an accomplishment. 15 years of ministry. And one of the pastors had turned to the other one and said, it really wasn't 15 years of ministry. It was one year of ministry done 15 times. And you know, if you think about it, we could do that in our life, can't we? I mean, I'm, how old am I? I'm 38. There was a time I knew exactly how old I was, and it turned over to 30, and I just forget. I have to do the math every now and then. I hope, I hope that I'm not living the same year over. I hope I'm not living 38 years, or really one year 38 times. I hope as a pastor, that I'm not leading a church that's doing one year of ministry five times. Yesterday was my fifth year anniversary here at the church, and it's been a joy. I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you. I hope, I hope, guys, listen. Honestly, I hope it never becomes one year of ministry done five times. I hope five years from now, it's not one year of ministry done ten times, I hope we are engaged and involved in growing and developing and maturing in our faith so that each year is built upon the next year and so on, and that we as a church have a vision beyond just today, beyond just this moment, beyond just this place, a vision that goes beyond our grasp and our reach and that we have to have Christ involved. The apostle went out and he understood, hey, I'm going to the Corinthians. I'm going to reach and minister to the Gentiles, as I've been called. They're my sphere, but they're not the stopping point. That's not it. I've got a a vision of reaching people that are beyond the Corinthian church. The church does need missionaries, no doubt, but we also need Christian visionaries. I want you to see the second thing. And that's when he's talking about this region beyond to the Corinthian believers, it reminds us that there was a lack of contentment with his previous progress. Now, Think about this for a minute. If he's telling them, I was the one that came and brought the gospel to you. But my goal is to reach beyond you. How easy could it have been for him? To set back to go to his associational office and put his desk up on his big associational desk, put his feet up and lean back and say, you know what, we've done pretty good. Our association has grown to most of the known world right now. We've seen churches grow and develop and spring up. I think it's good. I think we've done what we need to do. And stop. He was not. He, was, he had a divine discontent with his previous progress. And that's evident in his letter to the Philippians. Do you remember that? I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said he counts everything else but dung except the excellency of knowing Christ. What he's saying here to those believers is, you know what? I was not just content in coming and taking the gospel to you. He said, I wanted to take the gospel to you. I wanted to bring the gospel to you. But I had vision to be able to see that I'm not going to be content just taking it here. I want to be able to go there. And you know, if you think about it, oftentimes do we share that same discontent with our previous progress? Are we living our spiritual lives based off of the bread that we ate yesterday? Are we content breathing the air that we breathed yesterday? Or are we as believers... Sharing in that same desire that the apostle had when he said, I press towards the prize of God in Christ Jesus. He understood that there was still a goal in front of him. Think about this. I wrote down four things. First, he has a clear goal. He knows what God is calling him to do. He knows that if they are Gentiles, they need to hear the gospel. That's his calling. That's his sphere. Everybody who is a Gentile. Clear goal. He knew what it was. To evangelize the world as long as he had breath. Second, his goal had immense value. It represented in Philippians. I count everything else but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. To him, that goal of being like Christ and making Christ known was the greatest and had the most value of anything else in his life. Nothing else compared to that. The third thing, he realized what was required to make the goal happen. A goal without a plan is nothing more than a dream. Paul knew if I'm going to live to be like Christ, if I'm going, if I'm going to live to evangelize as many people as I possibly can who don't know Christ, then there, I've got to have a plan in order to make that possible. I have to discipline my body. He said I have to grow and develop in my in my spirituality, in my spiritual life. I have to develop a keen, close, personal relationship with Christ that is ongoing and ever-growing. He understood those things. It wasn't just enough to have a goal. It wasn't just enough to, to say, okay, this is the X right here. How am I going to get there? He had a plan in order to make it possible. And the fourth thing, he was committed to reaching that goal. If that goal was, had that immense value, then everything else in life fell second to making that goal become a reality. You know what I think how this fits in sometimes? I think sometimes... We may not have much spiritual progress. We may not be demonstrating much spiritual growth because if we wipe away all the excuses, when it boils down to it, we may just really be content with where we are spiritually. We may say, well, you know what? I, I know a lot of the Bible. You know what? I, I, I serve here and there. You know what? I, I'm a pretty good person. You see, the problem with how we gauge spiritual progress is that it's backwards, totally backwards. Really, if you think about it, everything we do naturally is backwards to how we should do it spiritually. You see, we gauge spiritual success this way. We gauge it by saying, well, you know what? I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not as bad as some other people. I haven't fallen back um, to a certain degree yet. We gauge our spiritual progress by how far we have not fallen backwards. Think about it for a minute. What other area of life would we gauge our progress by how far we have not gone backwards? Would I say I'm closer home because I have not gone further from home? No, but we do it in our spiritual life. In our mind right up here, or at least many of us, I do, I gauge my spiritual progress not by how close I've come to Christ, but by, but by how far I have not gotten further away. That is backwards. We're not to gauge our spiritual progress, our spiritual maturity, by how much we don't look like a baby. We're supposed to gauge our spiritual progress by how much we look like Christ. If I gauge my spiritual progress by how far I have not fallen, then I am digging myself a rut. I'm always going to have something that I can go to and say, Hey, I'm all right. I'm always going to be able to pat myself on the back spiritually. And if I gauge myself by other people, I'm always going to be able to find somebody that I might be a little bit higher in in moral integrity than that person. I can always find someone lower than myself to say, hey, I'm all right. And oftentimes we look at this and we say, well, I know enough. I've grown enough. I'm good. I'm content. Oh, my. I pray. That this year, this day, this moment, God would stir in our heart and say, Really? Really? I'm the great God of the universe. I mean, really. I'm the one that created and hung the stars in the heavens. I'm the one that sent my son to die on the cross for you to cover your sins. I am the one that showers grace and mercy. I am the one that presents you with compassion. I am the one who is inexhaustible in knowledge. And yet you're down here saying, yeah, I know enough. I'm close enough. Friends, we don't gauge our spiritual progress. We're not to gauge our spiritual progress by how far we have fallen, but by how much we look like Jesus Christ. That's how spiritual progress is gauged. Because you know what? If I look back here, I can say, Well, well, there's Jason and, and I'm I'm beyond Jason. I mean, I know what he does and I'm I'm here and I can feel good about it. I had to bring him back down from the compliment. I, I'm I got him here, so I know I'm doing better than him. It's kind of like, you know, if you're hunting, you don't have to, if you're bear hunting, you don't have to worry about outrunning the bear. You just have to worry about outrunning the person that you're with, right? That type of thing. So I'm okay there. But when I look to Jesus Christ and his holiness and in his perfection, what oh, was me for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people. With unclean lips, I look to him and I'm like, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. We look at other people and say, I I got this. We look at him and say, I've got a lot of work to do. That's what it's intended to be. Looking to Jesus, Paul says, hey, I came to bring you the gospel. But I didn't want to stop there. He was not content with his previous progress. Use your previous progress as a springboard for greater progress in the future. Use what you know as a foundation, a bedrock to grow and to build on. Notice this third and final thing. There was a great hindrance to the, prog- to the progress. The apostle slides in a sanctified jab. And I love it. Look at verse 14. For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. Why? For verse 16. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Paul is giving them a little sanctified slap on the cheek, if you will. He's saying, you know why we haven't gone to the regions beyond? You know why, even though we brought the gospel to you and our intention is to go to the regions beyond, you know why we haven't gone to the regions beyond? He says, it's because of you. He literally turns to the believers at Corinth and says, you're the reason that we are hindered in going to the regions beyond. Why? Well, he tells us why in verse 15. That is, your faith is increased, he says. If your faith is stronger, if you are starting to grow up, spiritually speaking, if your faith will grow and you will develop, then we will be able to reach the regions beyond. What he was saying was their spiritual immaturity, their lack of faith, their their lack of spiritual discipline was hindering the advancement of the gospel into other areas. Why? Why? Why would that be? Here are three reasons. One, God uses people to reach people. And here he's telling the Corinthian believers, we can't even go into the regions beyond because you guys are spiritual children. Why? Why does that matter? Because God desires and has designed this great commission not to be carried on the backs of angels, not to be used by the messenger the message of a a speaking donkey. God, if he wanted to, could make this pulpit right here, this table or whatever you want to call it, he could make this, preach the gospel better and more efficiently and have better results than me. But for some reason, beyond my ability to comprehend, he didn't choose this table. He didn't choose angels. He didn't choose a speaking donkey. Or some may argue he did. He chose us. Those of us who betrayed him, those of us who sinned against him, those of us who were separated from him, those of us who were enemies of us, uh, enemies of him, which is all of us. He says, "I'm going to do something awesome. I'm going to send my son to the earth to die for them. I'm going to redeem them. They're going to be mine." And then I'm going to use them. To go bring glory to me. Guys. There will never be anything. You will accomplish in this life. That will be greater. Than advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just put it simply. There will never be any word. That will come out of your mouth. That will have more value. And worth. In this life. And in the one to come. Then God. Loves. You. Through his son Jesus Christ. The Greatest. Thing we can do the greatest. Job our hands can employ the greatest. Song Our Tongue Can Tell is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, We could have been to the regions beyond, but it's your spiritual immaturity. The believers were ineffective. They were fighting, wrapped up in worldliness. They were caring about all the things that they shouldn't have been, and the one thing they should have been focused on, they neglected. And that was the Great Commission, the work of the gospel. Second reason, was the inefficiency of resources. Paul is saying, hey, if we didn't have to come rescue you guys out of the kiddie pool, we could get the people who are really drowning out in this spiritual sea where the billows of sin are waving over them. We're here trying to get you guys in the kiddie pool when they're out there off the ship and need a life preserver, which is Jesus Christ. And here we are babysitting you guys in the kiddie pool when we need to be out there with them. That's what he's saying. You know what, guys? One of the reasons church fights stink, there are a lot of reasons. There are books on why church fights stink. But you know one of the reasons why I think the church fights stink the most? Because whenever a church fights, whenever there are issues, and I don't care if it's the color of the carpet or the songs on the screen, or if it's some other issue, whenever there is a fight within a church, do you know what it does? It takes our focus off of what needs to have our focus. It takes our resources. It takes our attention. It takes all of, our, all of our time and everything over here to what? To try to mend this, to try to bring these together, to try to mend the differences, to try to heal the church together. When what should we be doing? There shouldn't have been a fight in the first place so we could focus all of our attention and all of our resources and all of our aim out to rescue the lost. And what Paul is saying We could have been out there to the regions beyond, but because of your spiritual immaturity, because God uses people to rescue people, and you are focused on the wrong things, and because we're using our resources here, getting you guys to play nice, what we need to be out there doing is rescuing the lost from a devil's hell. That's what he's saying. There's a third reason. The Corinthian believers, as I mentioned before, were hardly the benchmark of what a Christian should be. If you read through his letters, it's, man, some of that stuff's not even R-rated. I mean, it's crazy what's going on there. You know, guys, we have a, a really nice advertising budget here at First Baptist. We have banners out on the sign. put a a lot of hard work into making sure we can advertise what we want to advertise the right way. But you know what the best advertising of a church is? The best advertising for a church is when you go out into this world and they mistake you for Jesus Christ. When you live like Christ out there, you know what? That is the best advertising a church can have. I hope you don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking necessarily about church advertising, but kingdom advancement. You guys are the greatest billboard. You are the greatest banner. You are the greatest artwork when people can look at you and see that you are different because of Christ. That's the greatest thing. And let me ask you something. Which of these three, which of these three messages, or which of these three main points is really right where you're at today? Is it he had a far-reaching vision? Is your vision too short? are your sights set way too low are you a person right now that says you know what maybe you're here i see we have a lot of le- a lot of families are you a person who's sitting here saying you know what it's not just about me it's about my legacy that i'm leaving to my kids have you just been focusing maybe just on you on today you know isn't it funny we have a plan for our finances we have a plan for our job our employment We have plans for almost everything, but when it comes to our spiritual plan of growth, oftentimes it's lacking. What does that say about our priorities? Or have you become content with your spiritual progress? Have you been that one that right here in your heart you're saying without saying, God, I know all of you I care to know. Man, what a horrible thing to say to God. What an awful thing to have in our heart that we feel as though we know enough about God We don't need to grow. We don't need to know. We don't need to learn. We don't need to deepen that relationship. Or maybe there's a great spiritual hindrance. Maybe there are things in your life right now besetting sins. Maybe it's habits, addictions. Maybe it's something you've just struggled with that is hindering you from being able to grow into the regions beyond, to develop and to further grow. And maybe you're saying, hey, I've tried I've struggled with this sin, I've struggled with this addiction, and I need help. You know what? They say that God won't give you more than you can bear. And you know what? I don't know that that's true. Because I don't know that there's ever been a time in our life where God said, you know what? I'm going to give you just enough that you can carry without me. There are those moments in our life where we can't bear things. We're not strong enough. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. When I think about that and I get to that point where I'm saying, God, I need help. You know what I've just done? I've exercised faith. I've surrendered to him and said, God, I can't do it on my own and I need you. Is this year, 2015, going to be any different for you than the last year was or the year before that? I hope, my prayer, is that God right now will work in your heart to take you to a new territory, regions beyond that you will grow and develop And deepen that relationship with him. I'm going to pray. And after I pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God's prompting in your heart. If you ask what is it that made Paul. What was it? We know we had a goal. What was that one thing. That we can point to. That made Paul do what he did. That made him live his life the way he did of sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 5.14. He tells these same believers in this same letter. He says the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. My prayer, My prayer was before I preached this morning. That the love of Christ would compel us to grow and develop and strengthen our relationship and build. If you don't have a foundation, if you don't know Jesus Christ, what better day, what better moment to start this brand new journey with Christ than a brand new year?